Talk, episode number 49. I'm your host, Adam Stachowiak. This show features in-depth, one-on-one conversations with founders. You can tune in live on Wednesdays at 5 p.m. Central Standard Time right here on 5x5. And today, I'm joined by the ever-awesome Jeffrey Grosenbach. Jeffrey is the founder of PeepCode, and now Jeffrey is the VP of Open Source at Plural Insight, which is uh, a new thing for you, Jeff. So welcome back to the show. Thank you. Yeah, Plural Sight. Uh two words or well one word but it sounds like two. Oh, why did i say insight i man i have my notes wrong that's my fault plural sight totally my bad y'all there you go it's uh i was breaking the words up and i guess you're right it's not uh it's not two words it's one word and that's i i went ahead and put the word in in front of sight because you know i figured it was insight my bad <laughs> i feel like uh i feel like a schmooze for that sorry about that but either way this is good news for you i mean for those who uh are new to the show rewind all the way back to episode number one because jeff is uh is such a cool dude he had to be episode number one of this show so go back to episode one and hear me be uh, bumbling and fumbling and brand new at this show and Jeff, that was 2010, so I mean, I think part of what I wanted to do on this show was, one, kind of reintroduce you to those who may not know who you are, and two, kind of catch up and share this, this new news. So I guess to kick off the show, let's, let's do like a, a basic introduction. How do you introduce yourself for those who don't know you? Uh, thanks. Well, and props to you for keeping the show going for uh, three years and almost 50 episodes. That's great. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, how do I introduce myself? Uh, you know, developer, do do a bit of design as well. Started PeepCode about seven years ago. And uh, then a couple weeks ago, uh, got acquired by by this company, Pluralsight, which actually means I'm, st- I'm still going to be doing the same kinds of things that we've been doing at PeepCode. We're just going to be doing it as part of a bigger company and, and hopefully more videos, work with more authors and and keep teaching people how to use uh, really awesome open source software. Yeah. So you got the title VP of open source. That's um, when's the last time you've been a VP of anything besides like, uh, you know, senior visionary, I guess that's not really a VP, but that's like your own VP. Right. Well, I mean, it's kind of funny because when I started peep code, I was a developer and, you know, I wasn't even like a senior developer necessarily, but, um, but I, you know, I did work on small startups and, and things like that. But now here we are seven years later and I've been running a business and, and it's like, oh, I never thought of myself as like a, a vice president or executive, <laughs> but I guess that's what I've been doing. And now seven years later, it's like I can qualify for a little bit different job than I did seven years ago before I had all this experience. So yeah, it, it feels kind of crazy, but um, you know, mostly it's like, I, you know, I'm going to be doing kind of the same same kind of stuff that I've do, been doing running PeepCode. It just, you know, a little bit of a different title, which I may see, see if I can modify that because I do like the senior visionary title. I stole that from a guy who worked who was the senior visionary of Lego and it always starts a conversation, which I think that should be the purpose of a of a title is like have, have, have uh, start a conversation, something to talk about. I always liked it. I looked up to you for that title. So, I mean, if you want it back, I would uh, I would sign the memo that says Jeff should get that title back. I mean, I'd help you God, out there. You would give it back. Okay. Yeah, I would do it. I mean, that's a that's an awesome title, honestly. And I, I love that title for you because, I mean, especially with Peep Cut, I mean, seven years, I mean, it's just so close to eight years. But seven years, I mean, that's that's a long time to be doing anything. And, and uh, in the Ruby community, you know, you had started 
the Ruby on Rails podcast, the official one way back when, and you were doing all these fun things, but you started to do to do peep code, and so many people like like depend on like the play by plays and the, the deep dives that you've done over the years, and just you've just been such a leader there, and I, I mean that's why we had to have you back on the show, and that's why you, that's why you had to be episode number one of the show too, because you've done such great work over this last seven years, and that's awesome. So. Well, thanks, Adam. You don't have to flatter me for the full <laughs> sixty minutes, but I appreciate it. All right, first five, first five. We'll get that. We'll I'll get that. There. Um, so, I guess maybe just to to do a little catch up, kind of rewind a little bit. So, take us back to to real quickly back to two thousand six when you started Peepco. What was it that was going on that kind of started what you've done, and then now kind of let's let's fast forward to seven years later. Yeah, I mean, actually, it started. The idea of, of doing some kind of training or video training um, actually started a couple of years before that. I had a number of clients that were remote, and they would ask me how to use different parts of the, the website that I had just built for them. And I would just pop open, what was it at the time? It was like Snaps Pro or something like that. Yeah. And just record a short that. little... Yeah, do you? It's, it works. It's good. It's Some of the other more modern apps do a little bit better compression so you have smaller files, but, um, yeah, I would just fire that up and spend two minutes showing somebody how to, to do something on the site I just built and, and they loved it. And so I realized that this is a great way for some people to communicate and to learn is just seeing, seeing it happen. So, um, and you know, probably like you with, with now, uh, membership and, and things like that on founders talk, trying to figure out, okay, I've got this podcast, people love it, but I'm not really making any money on advertising. And is there any way I could make a business out of this? Right. And so making a video, teaching people to do something that's not really documented, doing a good job of explaining it, and then eventually having some really great graphics and uh, you know putting some effort into that, that's kind of what I set out to do. And fortunately, people loved it and supported it and, you know, that's why I was able to do that for uh, for seven years. And so now it's, um, I guess, uh, share the the news publicly here on this show. I know you've got this uh, blog post out there, and I'm sure you've been getting uh, side chats from various um, people that have been looking up to you over the years. Um, what was the news recently? Give us that news. Yeah, so starting about a little over a year ago, companies started um, – approaching us with acquisition offers and you know we we would actually we would have been happy to work with any of the companies that had approached us but the one that ended up working out we announced actually just two weeks ago today uh so developer training company called plural site acquired us and uh they're hardcore gonna have developer training hardcore developer training yeah that's right so they primarily they actually started with just in person training. They would actually fly out to Atlanta and do some uh, in person training. But in like 2008, partially inspired, they tell me by Peep Code, they decided like, hey, it's kind of difficult to be flying all over the place. Let's just do some online training to augment this. And they kind of had a similar story to where suddenly people just loved. This online training, people all over the world could uh, could learn. Focused primarily on Microsoft technologies, but recently they felt like, hey, open source is 
we're getting more and more demands from our customers who want to learn open source software. So let's, you know, let's go all into this. And so, so yeah, they, they acquired us. And so, um, now we're going to be hitting up the, the open source wing of the company and, and publishing a lot of great open source material. So when you say we, um, I think when you came on the show the first time, I think it was still just you and you had some part-timers or some contractors here and there. How is, I guess, since the last time you've been on the show, how has peep code changed since then just prior to this acquisition? You're right. That's a great question. I didn't, yeah, 2010. So, um, to make a short story long in, I think it was, it was probably shortly after I talked to you that, you know, the first founders talk, I went to this conference by Amy Hoy. Mm-hmm. Has she been on the show? She has, yeah. Okay. Episode so she's seven, this... I believe, or nine, one of the two. Seven, I believe. First okay. slash seven, you know, why not? Yeah, she's... Oh, first... But she's a great business person, an entrepreneur and, and teacher as well. She did this conference, which had an amazing lineup. You know, it was Tom Preston Werner of GitHub. Not that long after they had started. Um, it was Toby Lutko of Shopify. Um, it was... Guy who runs Balsamic. Uh, That's how I know chart. him. The guy who, bals- who runs Balsamic. That's how I know him. Yes. Too. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, you know, a, c- a couple other people and just really great talks throughout there. And with discussing with a few people there, I was like, hey, you know, I've got this business. We're doing pretty well. We're working with a number of contractors. We're working with authors, but I don't have any. I mean, you know, I'm just scared to like hire my first full time employee. Yeah. And, so after some conversations, they were like, well, why don't you, you know, hire somebody halftime or whatever, see what you can do. So I put out a, a little job, uh, job description. And at first I was thinking, let's get somebody to do halftime graphic design. And then another person halftime who's a video editor. And that way I can focus more on like the technical content and hand, hand off kind of the graphic design or the actual video, video editing to other people. So I actually found this person who had an amazing set of skills, um, great graphic designer, experience with video editing. She's got dual degrees in uh, graphic design and math and had done some uh, variety of programming. So at that point, you know, almost on the spot, I was just like, ah, let's forget this thing of just going half in. Let's just hire her full time. And um, so, yeah, that was Paula, uh, Paula Laval, great, uh, great person to work with. And almost immediately the, you know, revenue just like shot up. Suddenly I was able to, you know, delegate different things. We were able to collaborate. Um, that was kind of when play by play was just getting started. So we flew out, you know, we did a live session with Ryan Singer of 37 signals, which still like I think it was like two weeks ago. I just watched that whole episode again, just cause I learned something from it every time. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so the, so Paula came on board about two years ago. Um, and then once actually, once all these acquisition offers started coming in, uh, uh the first one didn't work out, but it did make me think like, okay, well, what if either we had VC or got acquired what would I do with with that money? How would I grow the business? And I thought, well, we've got some cash in the bank. Let's just do some of those things. So uh, it nice. was like, let's try to hire a developer to make videos for us. Let's get a salesperson because we're selling more uh, 
like company licenses and stuff like that, um, we really should have an iOS app because, you know, most of our customers, yes, they're using a variety of different things. But, but if we made an iOS app, it would cover more than half of our customers and just give them more ways to, to watch our videos. So we did all those things, um, which in hindsight, now that we got uh, acquired, like if I didn't do all those things, I'd have all that cash in my pocket. But, but hey, you know, you learn and, and I don't regret any of that. So we made this awesome iOS app and, and we hired a developer for a couple months. We hired a, a salesperson uh, for a few months and, you know, just tried to grow the company that way. Um, and I guess just with the timing, it just happened that we're when we were kind of in the middle of actually making a return on a bunch of those investments, that's when the acquisition happened. So, um, so back to your first question, you know, who all is going on to, to Pluralsight, you know, definitely me. Um, I'm taking my, uh, my assistant who was like the first contractor I ever hired at peep code like six and a half years ago. She's coming on board. Um, we're still working a little bit with our marketing contractor. Um, Paula has decided to seek opportunities elsewhere, which is totally fine. And uh, so if you need a really awesome front-end designer, uh, you know, HTML, CSS, graphic design, video, definitely get in contact with me or, or uh, Paula. She's, you know, incredible worker, really smart, and uh, so she's in Seattle, and she, so she's going to be And we can add a link to her, uh, her site if you want to the show notes, too. That way anybody listening can kind of follow her stuff and maybe even see what she dribbles. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, that's that's kind of the story and that's where it the you know, that's where people have been at for the last couple of years. So I, I guess in hindsight it sounded like um you obviously probably had some learning that happened. I mean, even though you spent some of that cash and you said some of the return on the investment, you know, could have been growth or other opportunities or having that cash in your pocket during acquisition time, but maybe the return on the investment investment was the, the acquisition. So that's kind of why I want to talk a little bit about, I, I guess, you know, you, you hear a lot recently, you know, acquisitions or aqua hires. And that's why I asked you who was going with you. Cause if your team was going with you kind of, what is, what is changing, I guess, about peep code. I know you in, uh, in your post announcing this, you kind of talked about how there's some level of integration over the next few months. So what's, for those who have been like diehard peep code fans and they're like waiting with bated breath on what your next moves are with this, what's changing? What's happening? Yeah. Um, you know, it's funny is a little aside. It's funny to be like on the, the business end of an acquisition announcement because like you find yourself kind of saying all these things that you read in all these, <laughs> uh, I bet other acquisition announcements and, when you're reading somebody else's, you're like, oh, that's BS. That's not really it. You know, how to not true. saying this because the yeah. company or whatever. whatever. Um, so it's hard to know how to, like, express things when you really are excited about things or, or really do feel positive about things, you know, which is where I'm at. I, I really think uh, even though a lot of open source developers don't know about Pluralsight, like, it's a really cool, cool company. Um, they had their their biggest month ever last month. And the CEO was like, tomorrow, everybody's off at noon. I'm going to the movies, show up at the movie theater, and I will pay your ticket to go see Wolverine or whatever you want to. So, you know, just 
spontaneous stuff, stuff like that. Um, morale is really high. People are just like super positive about this company. And then to, you know, bring in a lot more open source to it. So was this an aqua hire? I mean, I think that's what you're asking. Um, you know, I was definitely a big part of it. We are bringing the whole peep code catalog into it. So, uh, you know, if you're an existing customer, you're going to get, get uh, a spot in the, you know, basically an equivalent, um, or actually you'll get a better plural site subscription. Um, the, the, as you had at peep code, uh, we'll have all our content in there. We'll continue making new stuff. And, that, and that's kind of like my job, especially for the next six months is to make sure like as many of the good things about peep code, let's try to, to recreate those in a slightly different situation where instead of just making one or two videos a month, you know, we're going to be working with a bunch of authors and hopefully publishing, you know, a dozen or more videos every month, keeping the quality high, keeping the, the style, um, you know, ma making sure that it's useful. I'm excited though. I'm still, I'm going to be doing these play by play live sessions, probably with even greater range of people. Um, so we'll still, we'll still do play by play, and uh, yeah, and, and then just covering a, a greater range of, of open source topics. So does the, I guess, does the, the, the content live on? Does the name change eventually? Will it become eventually not peep code? Uh, probably for simplicity, probably the name peep code will, uh, will get just absorbed into the new company. That definitely was one of the the assets that was part of the sale was the peep code brand and, and all that. Um, how extensively that's going to be used is, is yet to be f figured out. I'm guessing it's probably going to be, you know, it'll just be, be plural site. So are you going to be uh, missing saying it's peep code in your signature? I know that was one of the biggest comments from people right after it was announced, like, well, oh, make sure you still saying it's peep code. So that's cool that people, uh, catch up on that and it, you know it feels like in a business there are all these things you do that just seem like just some little thing you don't really think through it and that was one of them to where i didn't like plan that and, and think oh people are gonna know this because of this uh how i say peep code you know it's just kind of what i did but but that was kind of part of the identity that people appreciated well uh, as, as long as i've ever known you it it's always seemed like you've had this signature voice, you know, like, uh, I, I dare even to say like this golden voice. Cause you really have a very radio, good quality voice. Your diction's well. I mean, you, you just really speak well, perfectly fitted for what you do. So I've always known you to have like this voice that, you know, your voice, basically, there's no one who could be mistake your voice for not you, you know? Well, thanks. I mean, it, it's thanks for the compliments. You, probably as you know, when you get your ideas or creativity or, or whatever out there on the internet, you get all kinds of responses. And right. Most people have been super friendly and that's great. But you know, I have been compared to like the comic book guy from the Simpsons. Oh really? Um, or I get the whole range from either like, I would hear you read out of a medical dictionary. I love your voice. Or like it puts me to sleep or you don't pronounce things right. Or, you sound like a Californian surfer or something. So I'm, I'm fine with all of it. You grow a little th thick skin and you appreciate the people who, uh, 
who appreciate you for what you are. Yeah. Well, I mean, I can't, I can't, uh, I think you have a unique voice. That's pretty cool. I, I like it. I mean, it's cool. Um, yeah. So I, I think the, let's see a direction we can take this. Cause I do want to talk a bit about, uh, plural site, but, um, I, I do want to talk a little bit about some of the successes and highlights that you've done with peep code. And hopefully like you had mentioned play by play. I know that that was uh, a big thing for you. In fact, you mentioned your, your play by play with Ryan Singer, big fan of Ryan Singer here. You probably know that and tons and tons of listeners of this show should be if they're not already big fans of Ryan Singer. So I literally bought my peep code um, subscription simply for the Ryan Singer play by play the two you did. And the rest wow. were just a bonus, you know, to me. That's, uh, I mean, I think that was well worth the 200 bucks to subscribe for a year, in my opinion. So everything else is just a bonus, but love those. But um, play by play. I mean, where did this idea come from? You actually, you sit down with someone face to face. Ryan, you mentioned before Ryan Singer was kind of like this prototype version of it to see how it worked out. So take us through kind of like the original ideation of play by play and kind of how you morph that and change that over the years. Yeah, and just to add this to your queue, I, I would be glad to you know answer questions or talk about the acquisition process because that was just definitely something I'd never done before, and yeah. I assume some of the listeners might be interested in, in some of the details of that. But yeah, this this play-by-play product, um, one of the things I love about running my own business is the fact that like if I have good ideas, then I see a return on that, and I see that people are buying stuff and if i have bad ideas or, or poorly executed or whatever i'm going to pay for that and you know my revenue is going to go down or you know people aren't going to buy it or whatever so for a lot of people like that would be super scary it's like this responsibility but to me that's actually exciting cuz yeah. it's like if i come up with a good idea then thousands of people are going to be watching and, and benefiting from this thing so, I mean, I think it was a couple of years ago, I was at a conference, I sat down next to uh, Christian Neukirchen, whose name I'm trying to learn to say in a proper German way, but um, basically he's he invented the tumble log, um, he actually showed up in some of the interviews with when Tumblr uh, got acquired a while ago, because uh, he was like, he was the very first tumble log, um, and then he wrote open source software of... Um, of uh, Rack, the you know Ruby. Oh wow! Web server middleware. Absolutely. He's, he started that whole thing, which was actually not very popular for like two years, but he just kept with it, and then eventually now it's just, of course, you use Rack if you're writing a web framework in Ruby. But um, but so he's this amazing developer, and I just sat down next to him, and I was like, "Teach me something," and he just happened to have a terminal open at that moment. So he was like, okay, let me show you some stuff about, you know, Z shell, Z shell. And to this day, I still use things every single day that I learned that he mm. taught me right there. Right. And it made me realize like, yes, you, you can go through and kind of come up with a table of contents that you're going to try to teach of, of some topic. And that's a useful kind of learning. But if you can just see how somebody works you're going to learn so much else about that they would never think of putting into the uh, into a, a tutorial because it's just what they do. But if you can watch people actually working and writing code, you know you're going to learn a lot. So that actually it was like that 
afternoon was the inspiration for Play by Play is let's sit down with really talented developers and designers and just tell them to work the way they would if if they were just working on their own project. Um, you know, just sitting down on the couch and and hacking on some code, um, not trying to teach anything, just working using whatever tools, techniques, thought processes, whatever. That's a that's a unique take. Though. I mean, sitting down with somebody and as like you mentioned. Uh, ZSH and Rack, and you mentioned it wasn't very popular when he first showed it to you, but um, that you've kind of held on to those things over those years. Did uh, did anyone kind of uh, was anyone bashful about like sitting down on a camera and like working? You know what I mean? Like it's kind of like put your quarter in monkey dance kind of thing. You know, time to dance. That's a great question, and. Yes, actually, I mean, I don't, well, I, I've actually said this a lot that, I mean, there are a lot of amazing developers who are just not that interesting to watch write code right. and, um, no, you know, that's no problem with who they are or what they do. It's just some people are, or you're just going to learn more from watching some people than you do other people. Right. And it, you know, it just has nothing to do with the final code that they actually produced it's just the process of making it um so actually i did i flew i guess for anonymity i won't even say what city i went to but i flew into one city at the kind of the beginning of play by play i had done one that was a hit and that was with gary bernard and you know if you're into ruby you know gary bernard because he had you know destroy all software screencasts these great little like 10 minute really intense uh illustrations of, of very different various different programming ideas. But before he, he did all that, uh, I was friends with him and I was actually in a, a coffee shop with him one time and somebody walked across the room and it was like, the way you use Vim is so amazing. Could you tell me how you just did that thing? And this was just some completely stranger in a coffee shop. So <laughs> for several months, he was an inspiration for me. I was like, if I'm ever going to do this thing of like live sessions, I should, the first one should be with Gary Bernhardt. So he was getting ready to go on like this um, six-month tour of Europe or something like that. And literally the night before he got on the plane, he, you know, we had talked the, the previous week and he was like, okay, come to my house on like Sunday night and we'll do this thing. So he had all his boxes packed. You know, there's just like one table left. So we just sat down and I was like, okay, here's the task, go. And he did it and... That's still still pretty popular uh, play by play, and it was the first one. So, but after that, we I actually flew to a, to a couple cities to try to record more of these, and I just didn't have the the recipe down. I didn't know who to work with, what kind of project to give to them, how to be a good kind of accomplice to this whole thing of of keeping it going and I like that word you use, and making interest. Yeah, accomplice. <laughs> But fortunately, I was able to learn from, um, you know, learn from those different experiences. And then partway through that was when I hired Paula. So that made it tons easier because she was just on top of the, the microphones and, and the video and the audio and all the technical details. So I didn't have so to she travel like with five you then? different things at once. Yeah. Yeah. She was there for, you know, in Australia for the Corey Haynes and Aaron Patterson pair programming one that was super popular. Um, we went to, yeah, we went all over the place. 
How fun was Zed Shaw? She was yeah, and she was there. She was recording the um, the Ryan Singer one. Oh. Zed Shaw, oh, I have so much respect for that guy. I know he's kind of a controversial figure. Although now, like, I mean, he's you know learn your language the hard way. Right. I, I think he's done like over a million downloads or something of the various different courses there. Um, but yeah, he's great just because he's been so intentional about learning and, and programming. I think he has a PhD in computer science and or, or close to it or was working toward it. Um, and then he's just spent so much time thinking about his process and, and how he writes code and even keeping like statistics on his own prog- progress writing code. And then he'll like lear- look back and learn from that. So he's amazing that just completely unrehearsed, you just talk with him for 30 minutes and it's like a, a college course to where you're going to learn all, all kinds of stuff about programming. Yeah. So these, um, I, I guess the, the story there is that the, the play plays were obviously wildly popular. Um, as I just said a bit ago, it wasn't the only reason I subscribed to peep code, but it was definitely one of the ones was the ability to, you know, sit down as best as I possibly can, you know, kind of behind the camera, um, as the viewer and watch Ryan Singer kind of paint this UXing sketching picture and like the you know the kind of collaboration back and forth of you know you kind of gave him a really rough guideline of what to build and then along the way he would kind of probe you and ask you questions about what it would do and describe the limitations and how that limits the interface and you know kind of going through all these different stages and you kind of get to see this you know uh, this this kind of layer being pulled back from the process of somebody super popular like that that has a really good process and flow and and you kind of get to see all these secrets right and uh, i just wanted to ask you about uh you know kind of how that began because that's such a a cool way to look at it and plus the name play by play is i love that name too so god yeah that um i really didn't spend a a whole lot of time on the name i think i brainstormed you know five or six different ones and most of them are just we're nowhere near. So I was like, okay, let's go with, go with play by play. Um, so yeah, that it definitely, definitely worked out. One thing that's been interesting for me to clarify is like some people will watch and they'll then look at the final code or the final design was made or something and say, well, actually that's not that good. And you know, why am I even watching this? Cause the final product was kind of mediocre. But it's really not about the right. final product. It's like if you were if you worked at thirty seven signals, you would be part of these discussions every day of like, well, should we have this feature or not, and how should it be implemented, and what are our choices, and and which one's the best, and and how are people going to use this and respond to it. It's like listening to all those questions and, and learning about like how to think through the different options. That's the value of this thing, not whether or not somebody can actually improve on the final design that was was made um it's like getting into these people's mind especially i love it when especially uh for developers when something doesn't work you know they'll write a test and then they expect it to pass and and it fails you know that was like aaron patterson rails committer um he was just completely confused which I love that because every developer gets into that spot where you have no clue of like why it's not working. So this opportunity then to see a really, you know, well-respected developer, how do they get out of that? How do they fix it? Like that's valuable. 
Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it it kind of – and it, it's something we got complimented on with the change law recently. Like we kind of uh, humanize the, the world of open source because we run the podcast here on 5x52 called The Change Log. And, you know, our, our tagline is open source moves fast, keep up. And you know that because that's – you almost said that in the very first uh, episode you were on here on Finder Stock. But, you know, what happens is, is – uh, you know, we as like mere mortals, right, in this world of software development, we see these names and we hear them headlining, uh, you know, really awesome software or speaking at a conference, and somehow we put them on a pedestal. And and sure, they are really great at their jobs and they're really great at what they do, but they're just like we are. You know, they put their pants on uh, one leg at a time. They probably wear T-shirts. You know, they're the same. And uh, the only difference is is that. They've made a name for themselves or they're known or something like that. So it kind of peels back that curtain of like, guess what? Aaron Patterson might get confused too whenever he writes a method and he's like, oh, I have no idea why this test is not passing. And it shows they're really human and it's normal. You know, I mean, in a world of software, sometimes like this, we kind of get caught up in personas, especially Aaron, right? I mean, that's he's uh, he's got a, a persona, you know? Exactly. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, with Changelog putting a face to this kind of thing um the crazy thing about open source is like if you're an open source developer you're making a pretty good salary and you have pretty good either job security or options of other jobs that you could have and yet it's still kind of this you know up and coming type thing to where a lot of the ecosystem just isn't there you know it's like we don't have tv shows talking you know interviewing open source developers or whatever. Like if we're going to do any of this, it's just grassroots, whatever people can put together and, you know, doing podcasts, doing interviews, doing blogs, whatever, uh, which I think is exciting. Like I'm into kind of a niche kind of bicycling called cyclocross where you ride this bike around in the mud in the winter. And it's good in Seattle because you actually kind of look forward to the fall and the the rain and the mud because it means you're going to have this fun race and this guy, you know, kind of semi-pro, uh, or and I guess he is a pro in, in the U.S., but they don't make that much money. But he got a couple sponsors to pay for a cameraman to just, like, follow him around as he goes to this these different races. And then he has this kind of reality video podcast, and suddenly, like, he's this superstar within the, yeah, within the community because it's not just, like, watching some athlete out there. It's watching him, you know, hum along to his favorite songs on the radio or, or make jokes or what's he having for dinner or, you know, all this kind of stuff. And it, it, it gives a personality to it. Yeah. I think that that's an important thing. I mean, I think with the, I, I hate to even say this kind of phrase because I feel so old when I say it, but like this day and age, you know, like we have so. <laughs> that does make you sound old. <laughs> a little bit. I mean, you know, the day of the internet, like the access to knowledge, information, and being able to share and publish that information is, you know, the world's flattened in that way, right? I mean, everybody has access to a simple camera like this fellow you're mentioning. Like, it didn't take much for him to put together uh, the ability to somehow become, you know, even niche famous, you know? And suddenly he's probably got sponsor opportunities and other opportunities, and it, it happens. Uh, in a lot of places, I think it's kind of neat the, the the place we're at. So, um, I guess circling back to, uh, I guess maybe the, the tail end of the play by play. So, I think the biggest question I have, kind of going into the next conversation, is, um, you know, 
with this new shift and this acquisition, uh, obviously Play by Play was really successful for you. How do you see that changing or changing maybe not at all with, uh, with this new direction? Yeah, I mean, some of it we have to figure it out, but that was a, actually talked about early on in the whole acquisition process and negotiations and stuff is the, you know, the CEO, Aaron, Aaron Sconner to Pluralsight, was like, hey, we love play-by-play. -play. We think this is fantastic. Let's keep doing it. Um, and even let's figure out how to do more. Do we do other people than just me go out and kind of record these sessions? I personally feel like it can't just be a Skype session. Like there's something yeah. about just being there in person. I agree. That's really important. So I love to travel. I don't really get hit by jet lag that much. I can just like show up in, you know, Melbourne, Australia and be ready to go. So that's something I love to do and, and kind of works really well. So I still plan to be, to be traveling a lot, but maybe we do find some other people who are really good improvisers and, and good designers, developers who can be kind of the, um, you know, the enabler of this, this kind of thing, the host. And, uh, you know, maybe we do more of them. Maybe we can do a couple of them a month or, or once a week or, um, bigger names. I'd love to, you know, do, do a session with like John Carmack of id software, or oh, I'd love to sit down with like Linus Torvalds. I don't know if that's even possible, but, uh, you know, some of these different people, like we, you know, we, I only had like one or two people turn me down at peep code that I asked. And actually it wasn't like, Oh, we hate this idea. We're not going to do it. It was more just the person who's like, Oh, I don't think I would be very good. So, um, do you have any favorite play by plays? I don't want to want you to call out anybody that you may not want to, or I should have picked a favorite, but sometimes when you're the, the maker of something, you have a couple that were, you know, you had fun on the trip or any ones that really stand out that were like your favorites. Um, Wow. Any fun adventures happen? Like lost luggage, got there, no camera. Right. You know? Good question. Um, I definitely learned a lot from the, the Zed Shaw. I definitely love the, the graphical workflow of, um, of Ryan Singer. I think a design related one was Nevin Mergen of panic, you know, panic software is like one of the, the yeah. most well-respected, uh, Mac software development shops. Um, and I've been following him on Twitter for a while, you know, for like several years. And just, I knew I was going to be in Portland. They're located in Portland and it was just a total cold call. I just, you know, I just found his email address and like, Hey, do you want to, I have never met you, but do you want to do, do this thing? So we show up and turns out he's on the weekends. He does like improv theater, you know, where they just say, okay, uh, a spoon and, you know, a chainsaw. Okay. Now go make a sketch. That's funny with those, those themes. And so I didn't know this at the time, but, but that's what he does. So he was perfect for this kind of live improvised type thing. And then their offices are really beautiful. Like they have this huge kind of pyramid on the wall and then that is repeated in the carpet. So they, they definitely kind of thought through this. Oh, and they, there are a few pictures of it some places, but they have this little kind of hidden room that looks like the captain's room in an old, you know, wooden ship or something like that. It's got like this uh, wooden floor and, bookshelves and stuff like that. It's uh, most of the office is more of kind of a modern concrete and 
white wall kind of thing. But then they have this little hidden room. Um, but anyway, cool office. It was a beautiful office to film in. He was really great of just like thinking through these these different problems. And you know, he made a little mobile interface for for like an iPhone app. And um, so that that was a lot of fun, just because it was completely a cold call. He turned out to be the perfect perfect person for it. The, the project was good and, and worked out really well. Yeah, I like when that works out that way. I mean, especially if you kind of have a, like kind of a last minute. I've had a couple um, last minute guests here on the show that ended up be, being some of my most favorite shows because I don't know, just like the 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 whimsicalness of it. I guess me, I'm kind of like a um, go with the flow kind of guy. You know, I, I don't like to. I like to plan for the most part my wife would say i'm not a planner at all if she was listening to this she would say he is not a planner but i I like to plan a little tiny bit but i like to just kind of go into the moment and figure out what's going to happen so which for some people that's really stressful or scary to them and i can i can understand but for me like i just love that serendipity yeah it's not always going to work out but when it does like there's just a thrill well speaking of working out let's let's talk about um I guess this this transition. There are a couple of things I want to. I'd love you to share as whatever you can about the details of the acquisition. But I want to ask you kind of a, a prefacing question to that before we go into that. Um, and, and this post you shared called "Leveling Up," um, you'd mentioned that over the last several years you've been approached with offers to get acquired and investments and all these different things. And uh, I'd like to maybe just before we go into the acquisition, talk a little bit about this this learning industry you you see like independents just doing their own books or someone just doing their own videos or you know in the case of gary you know kind of starting his own thing with this role of software i mean you sit you see these happening a lot and being somebody that's been doing this for seven years you've got to have some decent insight so what is happening in tech learning what is going on that maybe no one else sees that y'all are just like privy to I think, I mean, I think it's just that there are a lot more people wanting to get into software. And I mean, I think it's a couple things altogether. You know, the, the demand is there. People want to learn. Um, the activity that is there, like yeah. all kinds of open source software being written that people want to learn. The technology is there in, um, you know, I guess lynda.com has been around since like the the late 90s, which amazes me because like in 1999 how did you like deliver video over the internet you know (laughs) i still had just like a 56k modem or something like that but um but now we uh, apart from choppy internet that causes podcasts to go awry you know you can stream video i can watch video on my phone when i'm going home on the bus that's actually half the reason that i want to run this iphone app for peep codes just so i can watch my own video when i'm standing there on the bus um for my phone so you know it's yeah (laughs) so you know we we can do it and then it, it you know it's kind of like the uh what was it with with records like um like there, I didn't even understand this, but there's like the LP and the EP or something like that. Are you into records? Um, I know that there was the bigger one and the smaller one. I don't know what you mean by LP or EP. Because didn't didn't they start with the smallest ones? So basically, people would only do singles, right? And then they moved to the bigger ones. So now it was like feasible to do a 
20 or 30 minute long song if you wanted to, or, or you could do a bunch of little short songs or whatever. Like, and it's like the, the actual medium that they were delivering music on changed the kind of music that people were writing because now it was possible to do different things. I'm going to have to research that anecdote because I kind of massacred it. But, um, (laughs) but I think, I mean, I think that's the thing, like, with the internet, now we can deliver really short stuff or we can deliver longer training and we can like customize it to whatever the topic is. Um, I know at one point I was going to write a book a long time ago and they, they told me, they were like, okay, we want the book to be this many inches wide on the shelf of the bookstore. So you need to write X number of pages so that the, the paper adds up to two inches wide or something like that. And I thought, how arbitrary that, like, it's not like, talk about this until you've said everything that needs to be said. It's make sure you write at least 400 pages or something. You know, so to me, video, delivering video of of the internet training, like, that's part of the beauty of that is, like, we can can just, like, teach what we need to in to whatever length until we've communicated what, what needs to be communicated. And maybe that's you know, eight or 12 hours of, of some kind of thing, or, or maybe it's 15 minutes and, um, you know, there's that flexibility. Yeah. Uh, I guess the, the flip side of what I mentioned earlier, um, when I said over the last several years, you've gotten a lot of offers. The flip side of that was that, you know, the online industry is, is booming and, you know, that was no surprise for you, but some of the reasons why you kind of held out was that you wanted to make sure that, anything that kind of came across the desk was something that, um, you know, would be able to maintain what you've built over the past few years. And obviously peep code is very close to your heart. Uh, and you finally did obviously accept an offer. So what were some of the things that you thought about when knowing that it was a good offer? Like what were some of the, the earmarks or criteria that you would use to, to finally accept Pluralsight's offer and, and actually go through with this? Well, disclaimer, just, you know, I have total respect for a lot of the companies that we talk to. And so, you know, if they, you know, they know who they are, um, you know, huge respect. So there's nothing, no criticism of the, of the, the different companies that didn't work out. But, um, to me, what really worked out with Pluralsight is like, they're already in video publishing. Like they have, well, now they have like 400,000 customers who are, who want to watch video and want to learn, um, video training. So that's kind of the kind of stuff that we're already doing. They already have a team of like editors who will, um, which is one thing we didn't do well at peep code. Partly we just didn't have the, the staff to do it, but you know, we should, we should have been checking up on authors and, and helping them out in any way we could. And we just kind of, you know, it takes a lot of time to do that. So yeah. And they've got a team, they've got a workflow, they, do video. They've got customers who want to learn from video. Plus, you know, all the existing peep code customers are going to fit in well. And the other people that we want to bring open source to, um, they have this great team of editors that's going to be able to work with authors and, and help them along the way to, to produce new videos. Uh, so the fact that just like all of that was already there and I just had to come in and I could just really focus on making the content top notch and making sure we're covering topics that people really want to learn about. Um, also, not to mention, they pay extremely well 
to their authors. I mean, they have one author author who is going to earn a million dollars in royalties this year. Like that's unheard of. Like unless you're, you know, uh, JK Rowling, I don't think most tech authors are making a million dollars. And of course that's one person. It's not like every author, but um, you know, average authors still making about 10 grand a year on any videos that they publish with Pluralsight and most people publish several. So it actually averages out. Most authors are uh, getting about 40 grand a year, which is pretty nice as an author. You know, you, you put in, definitely put in the time to make a video, but then it's, it's going to be worth your while. So being able to just like drop into a, a company that's already got that going and I can just really focus on, on the open source and the, the content and the quality, it, you know, it was just a good fit, which again, you know, that sounds like people always say that in acquisitions, but, um, yeah, it, it uh, it, it really, to me, it wasn't a decision of like, Oh, I'm going to, you know, this is going to be a horrible situation. It was like, I was really excited to, to get into this and, and to, to work with them. Well, you know, if we kind of rewind a little bit, you have the, I mean, you're coming from, I mean, titles are only, you know, they don't really matter, but just to speak on titles for a moment, you know, uh, senior visionary, uh, is that, uh, that was what it was, right? Senior visionary. Right. At Peep Code, right. And so then, then you kind of get to keep that title in a sense because, and you know, we're, we're going to fight, we're going to fight. We want that title back for you. But I mean, and now you have VP of open source and you're obviously, I mean, that's what Peep Code was about. It was, you know, Ruby, Rails. I mean, you name it, those are the things you were kind of keying around, which was, you know, highlighting and educating people on open source software. And you were being the curator, um, or as you would say uh, so well, the accomplice, um, and, and teaching people ab- about these things. I mean, I, I really wondered what, because um, to me, I, have, I haven't known you, like, we're not pals, I guess we're friends in some capacity, but I've known you for a while, right? I mean, when I first got into... Um, into I guess Ruby on Rails, Ruby Work. Uh, this was 2006. I remember uh, soliciting you for an offer to work with me on a project. I remember that right. from way back when. So I mean, that's we kind of have this history from a long time. But I've always known you as like this self-starter, not. Um, uh, and I don't mean to sound like a bad way because you know sometimes I envy people that. I mean, I'm one of those people now, but you know, envy people that have jobs versus running the show because. Sometimes they actually have it a lot better and easier. They have like n- nearly zero stress or they got the salary and, you know, these things are kind of made up for them. I was just really wondering about you because I've always seen you as this, um, you know, this kind of independent person. And to, I was surprised. I mean, I was really happy for you, but I was surprised to hear that you took an offer. Yeah, and I, yeah, I'm sure some people probably were surprised. Um, I think for me, I definitely loved running my own business. I see myself starting another business another time in the future at some point. But I'm not the kind of person who would just say like, oh, I could never work for anyone and I always have to be be the boss and I always have to, to work for myself. Like I um, – actually, that's this leads into something that I feel like over the last six and a half, seven years – I've really got just kind of this real world MBA of like, oh, now I know so many things about how you run a business and right. how sales work and ha- even, you know, taxes and accounting and all these different things. And I, but I kind of felt like f- to have this kind of complete education, I kind of need to work for a company that's a little bit bigger. Um, 
you know, 50 employees, that's not a, a massive company, but it's, you know, it's a thriving business. And I guess they just acquired another company train signal yesterday. So now they're up to about 90 employees. Um, but their thing, you know, I kind of want to complete my business education by working in a well-run company with, that's a little bit bigger that where I can learn how, how companies work and, and how business works at that kind of a scale. So to me that, that was actually on my mind for a couple of years and I see as kind of a benefit is kind of adding to my personal education. That's a, that's a neat thing too. I didn't really think about that. I mean, I feel not probably, I mean, I feel some somewhat the same, I guess, in a sense to have this, I'm not sure I would say, I guess MBA is the title or the, you know, the, the uh, education you're going towards. If you go to like business school, that's what you come out with, which is right. a master's in business. You know, that's what you're going for. But I kind of feel the same way. Like you kind of have this real world MBA. You understand, okay, well, when you don't have money in the bank, that's bad. You know, when you don't write checks, you can't cash. You hire people organically. You know, all these different things you learn as you build your own business and hire people and work with people and fine tune this thing. And, and you're right. Cause at some point you kind of look back at like, and it depends on what you're building though. Right. I mean, if, in the case of, you know, you're uh, with peep code, you know, what was the, the final count was like three, four, four full time when you got acquired. Um, yeah. Yeah. About that. Four. Okay. So a four person company, four full time people, I guess five, including yourself, if that's not the case, but nonetheless, you know, a small handful of people, right. You can't really quite fully apply the pressure that you may have of what you've learned to a company like that, unless you're going to do something super massive or, you know, take investment. I mean, I guess the guys at GitHub broke the mold because they kind of started with three and built a 150 people company or more and, you know, take a hundred million dollar investment, that kind of thing. So, I mean, it seems like this continuation for you, this acquisition is like the peep code maybe wasn't going to live on the way you had built it originally, but the idea and everything else you did kind of can get absorbed to a bigger company and you can help, crafted out in in that situation and even then i'd love to do a whole podcast where i just say everything i know about github but <laughs> i admire those guys because they actually had a couple of failures early on that they learned from like chris and pj did this thing called yeah. fam spam i remember that okay absolutely and it was really well designed uh justin palmer designed it um it worked really well it was basically just a private mailing list for your family but it never took off because it wasn't social. Like once you get your, your mom and your dad and a couple siblings and a couple cousins or something, that's kind of the maximum number of people that you can tell about this thing. So it just didn't have that social multiplier. And so when they did GitHub, it was like, this thing needs to be social. There needs to be a reason to have 20,000 people following a repository or telling their friends about it or linking to it or whatever, like that you know, the, the initial kind of failures, I guess they had really taught them about what kind of business they wanted to build and what, what they needed to do. And, uh, you know, I admire them for that, for learning from it and then executing amazingly. Yeah. Super huge. I hope to have them eventually on this show. I know we got, uh, we got them in the list earmarked of people we want to get on. I know I talked to Chris maybe about a year and a half back, but we never were able to line up a good time. So hopefully we can get back and uh, get the guys from GitHub on, on the show, maybe either individually or as a three person group, or just maybe uh, Tom and Chris, I'm not sure. So we'll, we'll see though, but let's, 
Jeff, let's talk about about some of the details about the acquisition. I know that um, so four to five people full time at Peep Code. Uh, was it was your uh, I almost want to ask the funny question. So I, I guess I'll leave with that one, which is it's meant to be funny. So everyone, y- y'all can laugh when you hear this on the podcast. But was it was your acquisition amount? Was it more or less than twenty three point six million dollars? Well, I can't can't say exactly, but we don't have anywhere near as as many employees as the company that that Pluralsight just acquired with uh, for twenty three million dollars. So it was less. It was less. So that news came what today? I think I saw it on your on your Twitter. So y'all um, acquired TransSignal, which that total was twenty three point six million dollars. They do a lot of uh, training as well. So it was. A, it shows good that it's you know. Pluralsight is is looking towards growth. They're looking towards acquiring those who are really kicking butt in those areas and and uh, being the best training place out there. So exactly. Yeah, I kind of wanted to ask you that just as a as a joke because I told you earlier on the call when it was just still private that I wouldn't ask you about numbers. So I just thought I'd ask that in a in a funny way. But uh, what are some of the details you can share about? I, I guess you, you'd said it before in the way you wrote that blog post that you find yourself seeing certain things about uh, on the other side of an acquisition. So what was it, what are some details you'd like to share that were unique or uh, interesting about this acquisition for you? Yeah, I de- you, there are definitely things in life where you can't really understand or learn about it unless you actually do it. And I've never even tried to read a, any books about like how, how does the acquisition process go? So there was definitely a lot of, legal details or whatever that went into the, but for me, the biggest thing that I appreciate is like my wife has, has been basically our CFO and been in charge of, of all those, you know, numbers, things without whom this business would have not even happened. Cause I would have never done them. But, um, but the fact that, that we had this good team that we're working with, you know, we had this really good, uh, CPA that we've been working with for like six years. Um, I have a lawyer that I've been working with for like six and a half years. Uh, I had a good business advisor only since about the last, last year. Um, but you know, we had all our books in order, things were filed. You know, if somebody snapped their fingers and was like, okay, give us your tax returns for the last five years. Yep. Here they are. Um, you know, having all that kind of stuff organized was a huge part. It would have been way more painful without it. And then the fact that like we had these people that we were working with, uh, if I, if a year or a year and a half ago, I'd had to like run out and find a lawyer and be like, oh, okay, I'm going to need a lawyer for this whole process. Let's start on this. That would have been tough. Maybe they would have been the right one or, or whatever. So the fact that like I already had, you know, this friendship and communication with this lawyer for the last six and a half years, basically since we started the company made it, super convenient to then suddenly we needed to occupy a large amount of time with a lawyer and we already have this friendship going. So that would be my biggest thing. Like whether or not you think you're going to be acquired, do things right, you know, get, get your books in order, have a CPA, have these different people on call. It's not like you have to pay them every month. I mean, you just pay them per hour when they actually do work for you. But then when you really need them, right. they're, they're going to be relationship there. established. Yeah. Not to mention a bunch of friends of mine who are entrepreneurs. Um, I've got this, this one friend, 
Troy Davis, uh, he, his current startup is Paper Trail App um, Log File collect, Collection, uh, which is really amazing. They've scaled that thing up with just like two people, uh, or technically scaling. You know, they take I don't know how many thousands or millions of of log lines every day, but um, but I, I'm pretty sure we use Paper Trail at Pure Charity. I'm okay. almost positive we use them. Yeah, it's great, great app. But he's he again. I've known him. He actually uh, gave me hosting space for the Rails podcast early on when it had like way more traffic than my shared host could handle. And out of nowhere, this guy's like, oh, "I've got some servers and some bandwidth I can just give you." <laughs> nice. I was like, "All right." And then throughout the years, I realized this guy's an incredible business person. So it was actually like a year ago. I just called him up. Was like, "I need to have lunch with you right now." And he was like, oh, uh, are you being acquired? That's the only reason people call me with that kind of a, a question. I was like, um, yeah, actually, you know exactly what I'm talking about. So I was able to, you know, have a couple of conversations with him, get some advice and wisdom. And, you know, just having those people around, like, that's, you know, so valuable. Yeah, I, you know, you kind of... Well, they they say that uh, I think the saying goes like this: that luck is uh, preparation meets opportunity, right? So you got uh, the opportunity to get acquired, and the preparation in order to have your books in order and have good friends to call upon, or lawyers at bay waiting for you to give them a call and pay them per hour to do whatever. And then so then it's kind of like this lucky moment where you are able to pull us together and and you know come out the other side with big smiles on your face and uh, fist in the air, excited about life. So I mean that's good that you're that well off and plus i mean you got to hand it to your wife right i mean she's taking care of the books right that's i know that uh my wife heather she's uh you know she helps me quite a bit with uh with my side projects and uh couldn't have done it without her so i I do everything because she is super awesome to me definitely so since we we do have a shortened ending i suppose to the show um because of the the battery life and a couple other things but um Nonetheless, we've got a couple of questions we asked towards the, towards the tail end of the show. And the the one, you've mentioned a lot of people along the way of, uh, through the progression of the show, but I'm curious if you have a particular founder hero. It's something I've been asking recently. So uh, who has been like a hero to you, founder, maybe don't even know that they're your, you know, you're their, they're your hero, I guess. But uh, do, do you have anybody in particular in mind that's a founder hero to, to you? I, uh, you know, I'm going to have to to say a guy that actually did help me a lot a, a couple of years ago, and he might not even remember because it was kind of a brief conversation. But um, Toby Lutka of Shopify, he was actually the I think the first or second person I ever interviewed for for the Rails podcast, and then since then, you know, he started this massively successful business with Shopify and is just a really nice guy. He's like an incredible developer. Um, He's the, you know, actually, I mean, I don't think I've even seen him two years ago, since two years ago when we were at this conference. But um, every every time I do have the chance to talk to him, he will just have this little nugget of wisdom that just kind of answers everything that I'm worried about. And then seeing the way that he's he's been able to run Shopify is is pretty impressive. So um, definitely look look up to him. Yeah, Toby, uh, I have to agree. I, I think he is – I've been so, not surprised, but, you know, to see Shopify 
be where it's at in comparison to where it was at. Because I'm like you, I, I listened to your podcast when it first came out. I was like, you know, listening to it episode one or two or whatever. So I'm right there with you to know wow. the time frame. But they've done some really awesome stuff with Shopify. I mean, really just super successful. Um, and they've given back to open source. They've, you know, supported the community, not just built a popular and, and successful business, you know? Exactly. Um, let's see. And the other question, um, I guess we kind of got some of this a little bit in the show, but, um, you know, what's on the horizon for you? What's, what's something that may be super secret? I know you just announced the acquisition, but what else maybe, what is something super secret that no one else knows about that you can mention here? It could be, you know, a new plan or, um, you know, maybe where play by play is going, which we've already talked about a little bit, but what's something that's somewhat secretive that no one else knows that's on horizon for you? Well, I, I mean, actually, one thing that didn't come out much in all the announcements is just that I actually signed kind of a long uh, employment contract with Pluralsight. So this is not something that I'm just trying to cash out and leave. Like, I'm going to be there for a while, um, you know, a couple couple of years, um, which I wouldn't have done if I wasn't excited about working there. You know, I'm not one to just sign up for some prison sentence that I'm going to hate. But um, <laughs> right. But yeah, pretty much my focus for the next couple of years is going to be be there and build an awesome open source catalog and um, and just just focus on that. I mean, actually, I'm only like two. No, I think the actual acquisition was like three weeks ago tomorrow or something. Um, so I'm still kind of finding my way around, but we've signed a bunch of really top-notch authors already who are, who are working on stuff and, um, you know, just keeping it going. And you you said also in that acquisition blog post that you said Pluralsight's support gives a huge boost to open source developers and open source software, which you seem to be very excited about because you said I'm excited for what we're, we'll build now here and that that you've got uh, you know kind of a long term uh, employment contract with them. One shows excitement for what they're doing, and two, uh, you know your continued commitment to everyone who's been a, a fan of you and Peep Code and all that you've done and the support to, um, I guess, learning open source software. So we're, you're not going anywhere, right? Exactly. Exactly. Well, Jeff, uh, I know we had a couple bumps in this show, but that, that does happen. Hey, that's, that's how show business works sometimes, you know, but, um, definitely appreciate you being the first on this podcast. And then, you know, from the bottom of my heart, super excited and proud of you for what you've done with peep code. And then, um, having the wisdom to do what you've done over the years to make an acquisition uh, super easy. And then ultimately what you're going to do for the open source community. I'm just super proud and thrilled with what you've been able to do. Um, I do want to make one quick plug for you, particularly because you mentioned that um, that some people, well, I guess not some people, but that if people want to teach, so if you've got people out there that are in open source, um, have really good talents, that uh, they can talk to you. How do they get a hold of you if they want to come to Pluralsight and be an author like you'd mentioned earlier in the show? Yeah, see, that's the other thing is nobody can spell my name, so it was great to be boss for several years, which is easy to spell. Right. But um, it's just it's Jeffrey at Pluralsight.com, so G-E-O-F-F-R-E-Y, and uh, I'm sure we'll link in the show notes. Yeah, we definitely will. So if you're out there and you want to be an author of some uh, you know, if you want to do a play-by-play, basically, now you can get a hold of Jeff. He'll come out and fly to you, do some really cool, awesome stuff. Uh, maybe that, that's how it'll stay, but either way, you'll you'll get a chance to 
be a top grossing author there at Pluralsight and cover what you know in open source. So, um, Jeff, I guess without further ado, we got uh, the tail end of the show. Probably got 2% battery life left, so we're at the tail end of our battery even. But uh, for those listening uh, live, thanks for uh, tuning in and sticking around. You can listen to the show live every every Wednesday at 5 p.m. Central Standard Time right here on 5x5. And uh, let's, let's say goodbye, Jeff. Thanks a lot.